The intensity has been turned up, but the battle is only beginning. Every game, every period, every shift means that much more. All that's missing is you. It's time to paint the Lone Star State victory green with your Dallas Stars. Be here to experience the excitement as the Stars make their push for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Get your tickets now at DallasStars.com. One state, one team, Texas hockey. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Mike, all you Podman Rushers, I'm going to... I'm going to state something now. I'm going out like a lamb. I got a big bag of nothing this week. Came into March with rather stentorian roar, like a lion. But now it's just kebabs, man. Just kebabs, baby. Lamb kebabs. I'm kidding. (laughs) It's April Fool's on Friday. Just getting ahead of it. Dumbest day of every calendar year. Dumbest day. April Fool's jokes are not funny. It's a stupid day. They should do that and daylight savings. They should do away with. Uh, Oh, hey, I should probably intro us just in case we have new listeners uh, somewhere up in the Midwest or out in the panhandle. Uh, So I am bobblehead honored and Emmy submitted stars, color analyst, broadcaster, podcaster, winporiumpreneur. Yeah, that's a new made up word. Daryl Ray. And he is senior writer for DallasStars.com, the man who breaks stories and lives for old stars' glories. He's Mike Heike. Mike, why don't you lead us off? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, my awards are simply in the hearts of the fans. Uh, I, I don't have a whole lot on my trophy case or anything, but I know, I know out there people are going like, that Mike Heike. He's not that bad. Of course they are. <laughs> and that that buoys me. Mike I don't Heike, have a bobblehead. <laughs> above average. That's right. Yeah. There you go. No, that that's <laughs> as meaning as or meaningful as anything, right? Forget about oh, it. Yeah. Who cares about hardware and stuff like that? It's about the love. It's about the two-way connection that you have with our fans. All those hey hikas. All those questions that you preface with, the fans want to know. It is yeah. interesting. Hey, Rick, they're out there asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm asking you to start this off. So what do you want to talk I, about? I'm going to start with what I think is the most interesting challenge for this team uh, in the uh, final 18 games. And that is finding an order for lines two through four. Hmm. And the... Two additions, and technically two and a half because uh, we're seeing a lot more of, of uh, Peterson uh, of late. Uh, but And you add um, uh, Nadalkovich. Is that it? No. It's Excuse my me? My brain's Nemesnikov. not Nemesnikov. Let me help you with this. I know. It's terrible. Let me spoon feed you along. Anyway, point being is they might have the pieces now – to put things in order, but I have no idea what that order is. I mean, like in a perfect world, wouldn't you go Ben Sagan, Radulov, then uh, Raffle, uh, Foxa, and Glendening, and then a fast, speedy uh, fourth line with uh, four players who are battling for three spots? And like on paper, that makes sense to me. 
But as we've seen with the coaching staff on the ice, that has well, not made a whole lot of sense this year. It, it, I don't think it's just the coaching staff. It hasn't worked like that yeah. at, at times this year. I mean, I, I think they've teetered and, and Bones has teetered with breaking up that top line with yes. all the road games and j- just needing a, lo- needing a little bit different maybe at times on that line. Where you know Joe's no Joe's never been the the slickest skater, and with all the games and everything else, at times it looked like they could use a little power boost at right wing on that line. But then Joe does Joe Pavelski things standing still, uh, and and it's you know he's just so smart. He he is such a bright hockey player and so competitive, and that always makes up for. Uh, the issues that he might have in winning a drag race with somebody on the other side. But uh, the, the, the thing that continues to be in flux seems to be what, how do you, how do you work whatever with Tyler? Right. Because I mean, again, last night it looked like that line just uh, slipped away. They, they got overtaken by everybody else in the game in Anaheim where you know, Gary, Gary on on one side, Nemesnikov on the other and, and Tyler in the middle. And you're, you're like, okay, well, it's got lots of likable ingredients in that. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it does this too. Uh, in fairness to those guys, they, they may not be producing or whatever. And the other lines might've been going better, although they primarily ran four lines again last night because right. of the workload that they're facing right now. Then the belief, and that's, I will get into maybe the payoff with that too. Uh, but but it it doesn't seem to have the the same um, zip that some of the other lines have it at times, and that's got to be frustrating, you know. Like Tyler, t- Tyler's too good a player to to be stuck where he is offensively in some of these areas. Although, you know, he has scored a ton of uh, or a lot of even strength goals this year. It's just no power play goals, not as many assists and all that and just not as much you you know thump within the the game itself but uh the other the other lines you know look you understand rick bonus now and what he likes and he likes to have that line he, he had the fcc line yeah. and he's concocted a new version of that with glenn denning and and fox and raffle and they got him started in the right direction last night uh and then you you mentioned it at the beginning mike the that uh, Jacob Peterson, I think Jacob Peterson should play more than he does. Right. Like I was shocked in that loss to Vancouver that they should have won, but I was just surprised. I mean, what was the kid's name that played for Vancouver? He just, he got called up on emergency. Um, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm sorry. What's God, Look at us. Bumble. I, I can't even get the uh, stars. Our old, names our right. old Bumble fingers. Lockwood. We acquired, we Lockwood. acquired that goalie. Wait, Lockwood. There so you this, go. you know, he comes up, and obviously it's just to fill out the roster. They have no extra players right. with the Canucks, and he only played like a minute forty uh, more than Lockwood in that game. He played the least of any Dallas star, and he was the only guy to score. Right. And and then you go into the game last night, and he's setting Alexander Radulov up for his fifth goal of the season if he could tuck one past a netminder multiple times, and then he ends up scoring the winner. Uh, when the fifth round draft picks combined to do in the Ducks in the third period, I, I think I think he's a real impressive guy. Now they the coaches see different things because they they watch video rate 
they just burn it right into their uh, lap trays on the plane and everything else. Um, and there have been some times where maybe he has looked a little bit like he's hit a, a rookie wall or whatever at game, you know, 50 or something like that. But I don't know. I, I could find room for him. He's, he's really smart. He scored big goals for this team and he scored a lot of goals. I mean, he's, he's tied now or no, he's one back of Pavelski and Ben in even strength goal scoring for the team. And he's four back of Sagan for third. He gets, you know, he, he, he gets limited minutes and he doesn't really play on the power play. He doesn't kill penalties. Pretty good little trick from a rookie. He was the best rookie in the game last night. Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is that he is a rookie. So he should get better. And the more minutes you give him, in my theory, is he will get better. He's, he's a professional really, rookie, though, Mike. Yeah, you're right about that. But again, he's also Three years playing a, pro a new, over there. I a like new ice surface, a new type of game. Um, They're changing the just, ice surface? Well, he, from where he played the last season. The size, I got you. I'm just, I'm being a teaser. That's fine. Since we can't remember anybody's name on the podcast this week. Toby Peterson has been really good this year. I'm just joking on that one. But, okay, so last (laughs) night was the 10th time that they have erased a deficit in a third period to win. And there's only one or two teams that have more than them. Yeah, Florida. And I thought it was Florida and Colorado. Maybe it's just Florida now. Uh, But... You know, those are those are the top two offensive teams in the league. That's usually how you come back. Yes. I know the Rangers have come back a lot too, just from deficits in general. It doesn't have to be in the third period. But the third period kick thing, that that has to make the coaching staff feel like they're doing the right thing. Now <laughs> I, I think I think it's a dangerous way to live, right? Because the law of averages tell you that at some point if catch up hockey ends up being losing hockey at some point, but it hasn't been for this group. And there's, I'm sure there's belief that by playing everybody and spreading the minutes around a little bit, they have a little extra juice late in games to do what they've been doing. I agree with that. I fear that they could be situationally motivated. And that part of that is the coaching staff that they come out of the gate saying, all right, let, let's play really good defense and if we get a goal, that'll be nice. And then when we're down one goal, we're like, yeah, let's just go get a goal. <laughs> and so you wonder if they started games more often. And they have this here. They actually yeah. have tried this. At home. Where they, yeah, at home, where they come out and say, let's go score a goal. What kind of team would they be? And now, again, that also opens you up to counterattacks and other teams, you know, like to feast on mistakes. And this team does have some forwards who are inclined and a defenseman or two who are inclined to mistakes. And so then those mistakes get turned into goals. And then now now you're panicked instead of poised. And um, so I get it. I get what they're trying to do. I understand the personnel they have. I understand the way they've coached this team. Um but it is frustrating as a fan, which I am. You know, I connect with the fans. Yeah, you do. You're right there, yeah, symbiotic right relationship. There. Oh, I, I go over to their houses and watch uh, games on uh, when I'm not on the road. But, but Mike, 65 games in, this is what yep. they're going to be. This is who they are, and this is how yes. they're going to get in. Correct. And I, I have no problem with, with that. You can't... It's, it's you playoff can't, hockey. I mean, it's a yes. way you win in the playoffs. Yes. And... Uh, they're they're trending toward being a playoff team and a nightmare for whichever team they draw in the in the first round. Uh, last night, 
last night felt like they won the game, though. Yes. You know, they, they, they picked up the two points in a few games recently. But you can't really look at it and say, I think they beat them. Last night, they, they beat them. They finally wore down poor John Gibson. Um, man, what a, what a run he's on. They, you know, he gives up three every game. That's the 19th consecutive game that he's allowed at least three goals. And so you just, you're up against a team that wins every time they score three goals or more. Not, that's a great mix for the Dallas Stars. Oh, yeah. And he, I thought through two periods, I was like, here we go again. And this brings me to one of my categories that I've become fond of, and I, I'm understanding it a little better, but at the same time, completely confuzzled by it. And that's expected goals. Because expected goals, and they should lead, you would think, to expected wins, but there's a bit of a correlation disconnect at times with this stuff. <laughs> like Last night was, was a win. Now, if you look at the previous five games for the Stars, the only game where the expected goals matched the team that, that actually won, that, that scored goals and won the game, was the game against the Oilers at home. And again, it was a third period rally in order to do right. that. I, I found that... I found that a little a bit of hooey. I didn't, I didn't feel like that game was like that to me. I, I thought, I thought they got away with a couple of stoppable goals that Koskinen gave up, and then you know just the bang bang stunning uh, offense that the Stars can throw at at teams and did in that game. And won it that way. It was it was that was a freaky dicky night at American Airlines Center as they as they beat um, that club. But four of the other five games, the team that should have won didn't. Correct. Because they got goalied, and that's yep. what happens. And I thought the Stars were going to get goalied last night the way Gibson was going. Yeah, and, and the way and it's interesting that you were talking about American goalies last night because I believe there's just great goalies everywhere, and so uh, Scott Wedgwood can foil your night. Yeah. And you're like, ah, that didn't used to seem like that happened that often. And now it seems like it happens all the time. And maybe it's just to this team, but like their goalies out there just no, it's, it's games. It, it's not like it, this, this happens all over the place. Like I love going on the app on the NF, NFL app. Yeah. The <laughs> NHL app. And, uh, and just, you know, cause you can, you can look at the screen and you can see all the shots for and shots against. And then if you're interested, you click on there and just you're like, okay, how did this unfold? Uh, like the other night after our game, Calgary and Edmonton are playing one another. And I'm watching the scores and I'm watching the scores and I'm like, oh my God, I, I need to go watch some of these goals. You know, a 9-5 victory, just <laughs> a, insanity was going on. And just mistakes all over the place and iffy goaltending at times. Um, but... A lot of times you'll look at these things and you'll be like, yep, they got goalied. They got goalied and they got goalied. And you can get goalied good and you can get goalied bad. Your goalie can steal it like Wedgwood in yeah. Carolina. Or you can have a guy that just gives up one odorous goal after another and, and you lost because you couldn't get a save from your guy. And the coaches come out after those games and coach speak and talk about, it seemed like every time we made a mistake, it ended up in our net. Uh, that's like... Their their coach speak for our goalie absolutely sucked tonight, and it's the reason we lost. Otherwise, we'd have won. Um, so I I'm. If you look at the way the stars go about their business, 
they're they're one of the top two or three teams in the league in expected goals against. Like like they can they can lock it down, and when they get timely saves from Jake or now uh, from Scott Wedgwood, they're they're just a really difficult team to score enough against in order to win. But th- those two things have to have to match one another, and now they have this just absolute confidence that even when they're down late in games, they're going to come. I mean, they're down, it feels like, every single road game and with 10 minutes to go and they're down by a goal and you just sit there and you're like, well, they're going to tie this and then they'll probably win it in overtime. Sometimes they don't even bother getting to overtime. They just win it in regulation like they did against Edmonton at home. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because everyone talks about the 9-1 and overtime record and say, well, they're not going to be able to use that in the playoffs. But... A lot of this other stuff that they're doing, they are going to be able to use in the playoffs. And if they are down one goal uh, in the third period in, you know, wherever, Colorado, uh, there is a certain confidence they have that, you know, whoever it may be can come out and score. And and I like the fact the coaches kept going to that top line because they were creating chances. And then the thought well, process they went, was... They went to them early, too. That Well, the, they did, and it worked. Like, but and it, I, 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 I'm a, I love that. that. That was one thing that... First off, they started them, right? And, and instead of starting the Fox Align, which they've done a lot on the road, um, you know, because they're, you know, they're they're a meat and potatoes heavy, put it in four check, that that type of shift. Um, and a lot of times they do that, and they end up with a face off in the offensive zone, and out comes Hans Line, and boom, uh, the Stars are up by a goal. But in Anaheim uh, last night, they it, it looked like they went. They went hints line, another line, another line, right back to the hints line again. Like they didn't right. roll through all four and then get back to the top again. And the game against the Canucks, they rolled through four over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you can't look at that that game at home and think not think to yourself, it it should have worked. It's just that Thatcher Demko had a force field going on, right. In be in behind him, and the stars couldn't buy a goal. Other, I mean, if Essa scores on that thing, they they, I don't know, they probably do come back and win that game too. Uh, so the formula they have to have confidence in. The players have tons of confidence in their ability to manufacture tying goals and then winning goals. Pretty good stuff, I think. Yeah, and then going back to what started this whole thing, it seems like those guy, the you know forwards uh, four through twelve can play with anybody in any combination and feel pretty comfortable. Uh, obviously, the the Fox line is going to probably be the Fox line. So it's those other six forwards that are going to just get jumbled all around. Uh, but if indeed you're going with four lines and everybody you know has at least their toe in the water, uh, then you know, maybe that's something that'll help in the playoffs too. Um, it's a weird situation to have. And I, I hate to keep going to payroll and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you got $25 million in Ben Sagan Radulov and they're kind of like role players and they're yeah. sprinkled throughout the lineup. And, you know, yeah. as from a fan standpoint and from a business standpoint, you're like, those guys should have more of an impact. But we are 60 games into this. And so if Peterson and if, you know, uh, whoever, Fox well, the, or... The guy, just, there's always a trade-off with that, though. Right. If, you, if you're young guys, and I know Jim Nell talked about it from training camp. He's like, I don't think people understand how good our young guys are. Correct. And you look at it now with under 20 games to go, and you're like, yep, Ottinger pretty good. Yep. Uh, 
Robertson, pretty good. Uh, yep, uh, this uh, Peterson kid, pretty good. You know, uh, even Harley's had some moments. He's yep. got a lot to learn, but Hints had some is, so, is still young, technically speaking. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean some so of there's your best a reality players. to that there. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we talk too much about lines, I think, in general. <laughs> I really oh, do. so my ideas stink. Is that what you're saying? I really do. Well, no, we covered it. We, look, we ate up 20 minutes of podcast uh, time. Podcast time. So it's perfect. I, I think it's people exactly are, what we need. I think people are interested in lines. You guys yes. tweet them out all the time. We too. Yeah. And, uh, I, but I, it, to me, it's like, uh, or it's akin to what we do on broadcasts. And I always just hammer our guys in the truck about, how deep we dive into when a guy takes a tripping penalty and how much time we spend on that, on that infraction and that individual. Like we, we always cry that we don't get enough time to show highlights or packages or, or replays of, of good stuff and that. And a, a guy will take a penalty. We know what the penalty was. We saw it. We stayed it. We're like, yep, you know, Raffle's going off for tripping. And we will we will follow Michael Roffel over to the penalty box, and then he'll it will cut from that to the referee standing in front of the penalty box, and he will announce what the penalty was, and then we will go to a replay showing said penalty again, and then we'll go back to a shot of the player who's in the sin bin and feeling shame now. And usually it's a mess. There's a, there's a stanchion cutting his head in half through the glass and whatever. And then we eventually make our way out for the puck drop on the power play. We haven't, we haven't said a word about who the best power play guy is. We struggle to get our sponsor in that's sponsoring the power play. But man, did we ever blanket cover that tripping minor. <laughs> One of the Ducks players went to the box and went with two snot rockets. I mean, oh, really? visual, terrible snot rockets. Nice. And I'm just like, ooh, we didn't need to see that. Yeah, no, that but takes hey, you. But hey, you got the time? You, you want to breathe? You know? Inside the game, man. Yeah, right. Spitting in snot rockets. That's what hockey's all about. Uh, but it's neat that they're back in the Pacific. Isn't that a crazy <laughs> stat? 810 yeah. days since they played the Ducks. And that game was in was in Anaheim. I, I don't know that people understand the the Stars' history with the Pacific. Do you? They're not exactly Probably, Nimitz it's, it's, or anything, no, but but it's there was they a have time more, when, they have more Pacific Division titles than any. They right. have five of them. And there was a time when they were you know putting some pretty good playoff series together out there as well. Mm. The San Jose's, the Anaheim's, the LA's. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like all those great games between the Sharks and the Stars, and and at times we were in we were in standard definition, and the games were starting <laughs> at nine thirty out here, and 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 it was must see television, man. They ask bobblehead razor why that is. That's well, why that's why it was people violent. flocked. No, it's because people flocked for your call. Oh, please! They have three <laughs> central titles. Yep. And they have two Norse division crowns. So, they're, I mean, they are, they are the owners of the Pacific. And that's why, and this is probably crabby old man stuff from us. But whenever I hear this, this gunk about, you know, well, Jesus, two time zones. And I remember when they went to, and, and yes, there's science and there's sleep doctors and all that. But there was a time when 
uh, the, it was just it was just part of the gig. You just went out and and guys played on their body clocks at at like you know ten o'clock to midnight to one a.m. Uh, and got it done out there, and then jumped on a plane and landed here at five thirty in the morning and went home and slept all day and then played again the next day and on you went. <laughs> yes, they're a little more intelligent nowadays than than things back then. But man, I I I tip my cap to those individuals and those teams. Now they were, I, I think the, the uh, cap situation, speaking of caps probably played into it a little bit too, right? Like they, they had a little more talent than some of those teams out in the Pacific, but some of them, they only had a little bit more talent then. Yeah. And, and they, those teams were built different ways. I mean, the stars were a, more of a veteran team. I think some of those teams built with younger players. I mean, even if you look at the history of San Jose or Anaheim and their, you know, their superstars were drafted, um, you know, and acquired and then grew up together. Uh, and the Stars had Madonna and Hatcher and some other guys, but the Stars definitely complemented themselves with some pretty big names who are in the Hall of Fame now or have their banner flying from the rafters. So, yeah, the, the cap or the payroll made a big difference back then. You said that like maybe you believe that your name should be up there or something. There was a bit just, of disdain in your voice. I just want like uh, you know those little uh, pop up things like you push the head down it sticks on the counter yes and then pops up if I get a Mike hike a pop up yeah, yeah Th- they're not very small they're not very expensive no no not at all <laughs> uh, uh, GM meetings yes just wrapped up now I thought that they would go more whole hog on on griping about officiating and maybe they did maybe they just didn't want to say it publicly. Uh, or maybe that's more of a player-driven thing than it is a manager. Because th- this is the first year that I've heard publicly a lot of star players come out and basically call out the stripes after games. Yeah. Do, do you remember it happening like this? I'm, I'm sure well, it I mean, did, but... I, they always seem whiny to me. But, but not not and, and a part of it is, and this is my, I guess why I kind of put it on the back burner in my brain is the game is fast. It's a lot faster than it was 10 years ago. And so then for the officials to be able to keep up with everything, it is a problem. Now, do you protect the superstars? That sounds like an excuse, Mike. It is an excuse, but I do, I do believe as an official, it's harder. Um, but now should you protect the superstars and yes, I think so too. Oh my and, God! And they yes, don't, they don't they, seem to get we, that. We we have lost the plot with that forever. Yes. Every other sport does that. Yes, and we we just treat it like no, no. You can maul those guys, even the yeah. playing field, whatever. You know, you got to fight through its team game. No, you you no. This is a marketing world now, and in order to market your best players, they. They they have to get calls. They they now you know they it's a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, I agree. But they got to be smart enough to say, look, if a guy's starting to take advantage of things, then hammer back at him. But uh, or talk to him. Even I, I, the one thing that's interesting, and I don't watch the NBA that much, but the conversations the referees do have with players, and and like when they when they are mic'd up, and you can hear the ref saying, hey. You know, it seems like logical conversations a lot of times. Like, hey, don't do this. Hey, like the referees really do want the flow of the game to 
continue on and, and that they're not the superstars. Yeah. And so, so I do think if a superstar was starting to take advantage of the fact that they get the calls, uh, you could just even talk to them on the ice and say, buddy, next one, you're not getting it. And, and I, you know, I've heard conversations, you know, on, when I said when players are make, mic'd up that they do, the refs will tell players, they do this, don't do that. And so I do think you could, you could control that. And, and my other option is just let them go until it gets to a point where it's ridiculous. And I, mean, I just think you need to let the Connor McDavid's of the world yes. do their stuff. And, you know, and the same thing for uh, uh, a guy like Robertson. I know he's young, uh, but he there's times I'm going like, how does he not get that call? He's yeah. Jason Robertson. And, and apparently that doesn't carry as much weight around the league as it does in the Stars press box. But <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's the thought. The I think there was better communication when there were fewer teams and fewer players mm-hmm. and the officials and the players knew one another so that they they could actually have i think it's difficult now for the officials in the league to keep up up with all the players yeah just think about last year the massive volume of players that played in the league because they had those uh taxi squads and everything else and uh, you know there's that and then the other part i feel look i feel for officiating part of the reason is what you said i'm not as I'm not as down with the whole uh, man. The game's fast. It's never been faster, and all that. It's it's like easy now. Tap the brakes. It's not it's not twice as fast as it was back in the day. Uh, but you got to remember the the uh, the officials have been traveling around through this pandemic uh, on their own. Like they don't jump on a private jet and go from game to game. They travel like everybody else has had to travel. And they've had to get tested on on their own all the way through it and that. I, I don't blame them for being grumpy at times with what they've had to right. plow through in order to officiate these games. And then on, on top of it, you you have I think you have a lot of charlatans in uniform in this league now. You got a lot of guys that like to sell junk. And they've got to differentiate at full speed whether the guy was faking it or if it was, you know, legitimate. I, I, I can just tell from my own stuff on the broadcast, there were times when I'm like, that's not a trip. And then they show the replay and I'm like, well, no, that's, that's tripping. You know, put a stick in a place that causes the player to trip. It's tripping. Yeah, there's no question. The stuff I, I continue to get uh, my, my yayas and kicks out of, are when guys are throwing forearm shivers and face wash and wrestling a guy down to the ice and all this stuff in, in a scrum. And they come out of it, none of that, none of that was no. illegal. Everything nope. that went on after, in that corner and, and those cross checks and slash and punches and everything, that's fine. It's just, boys, just boys being boys. Just let them go. And then you'll see a guy with one hand reach out and touch the gloves, the protective gloves of the other player. I get it if if they had just little mittens on, it had no padding on them, then you have to protect them. But they've got armor on their hands, and and he's got this light carbon fiber stick, and he just taps them on the hand, and that's hooking. Somehow that's hooking. I don't understand that. No, but I I digress. Enough with the officiating. 
I thought they would talk about it a little more. Uh, the cap's going up by a million, which makes, I, I'm sure, every one of the GMs in the league just giddy, right? Because well, it has it's, been, it's been prohibitive, man. It, yeah, it's been the, the trade tough. deadline, what Dallas had to do just to get Detroit to eat half yeah, of a uh, yeah. million dollar salary. You're like, yeah. really? That's what you got to do? But again, that's what you got to do. Yeah. So yes, a million dollars could actually make a difference. What else did they talk about or anything? I, they, didn't, they didn't seem like they got much done. No. Um, I think their hope is that they're going to return to a normalcy. And then once they do that, then that will help them create discussions on where they want to go with things. I mean, there's just, it's hard right now, just trying to get the business going again. Yeah. The, uh, the, the LTIR stuff was, was comical. Yeah. Cause they have to have that. You have to have that. You have to have that ability. Otherwise, this is this is a me- this is a mess. It's too constrictive. Yeah, and the, the guys the guys that are smart, like the big forehead guys in behind desks, you know, that's part of GMing now. Like, yeah, and they found loopholes. Tampa found loopholes. Others have followed it now. You know, I don't know whether it's going to pay off for Vegas. They're trying, uh, but they're 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 putting a lot of ingredients in their soup out there. Uh, and of course, all stars fans and everybody hope that they crater, but you have to have the ability to inflate the cap a little bit there. And I, how would they ever do that going into the playoffs? I don't understand that. No, I don't either. I'm glad they just, it it sounded like they went, yeah, yeah, I know you're mad and you're mad and you're mad, but whatever, we're moving on. Yeah. I mean, and then that is, again, you go with the, the charlatans on the ice, there's charlatans off the ice. And I think the league at mm. some point in time says, you know what? You got us last time, but we're not letting this happen again. Funny and so that, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> what a lot of the discussions are. There are, you know, whatever, 28 GMs are like, yeah, we don't like the cheaters over there. Can you do something about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to name names, but you know so, who we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? Uh, Miro. Uh, I just, it's so funny because I know nothing about mononucleosis and what the impact is. And, you know, you hear people say, well, we don't want to bruise his spleen. And I'm like, well, how do you do that? But apparently your spleen gets, you know, big. And anyway, point being. Wow, you sound just like a doctor. I am. I play a doctor on TV. Uh, Point being is Miro's really good. And he showed it last night. And he doesn't have to do things spectacularly. He just does the right thing most of the time. And there were just, a, just I mean, a few plays where he just skates the puck, goes here, moves there. I think your, uh, your comparison to Zuboff of a sailboat, I, I see that with Mira where he just, he leans this way and the, mm. the wind takes him. Mm. Then he leans back this way and the wind takes him. And it, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And then it puts people in the right place. And so then, and and SL Lindell can have a big night because maybe he's not having to worry about a couple of other things. Yeah, yeah. The I like the sailboat analogy better than the toilet paper one, which I've used before. <laughs> a roll of toilet paper flowing off <laughs> that adds, conjures up other images. Yeah. Or I, for Niedermeyer back in the day, former duck, I I used a, a dry leaf flowing down a, a brook. You know, it just makes its way down very easily. 
doesn't get tied up. It might slow up for a second. Then it just releases itself and continues to trickle down toward the pond. It's beautiful. where it's supposed to be. Uh, He is a very balletic uh, player to watch. I thought he had a little bit of rust early, which is understandable. Yeah. uh, In the in the game and look the the if there there was a silver lining in him there's a couple multiple silver linings maybe platinum linings <laughs> in this because i didn't think they'd be able to handle his void the way that they did with all the road games and everything i was just like man they're going to get exposed a lot here and I really don't feel that they did. Yes, they missed them. And, you know, you miss them in so many different subtle little ways, like you're, you're saying. But they, they, as a group, kind of bowed up a little bit. And some guys played some different roles at times really well, occasionally not so well. But that's just part of it. But just think, even a guy like Thomas Harley, the, 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 the experience that he got, by Miro not being there and them desiring to have a guy that can move the puck a little bit, it, you know, that that's, that's invaluable for a, a young player. They, they yeah. have to learn by making in mistakes and by doing, and, and he did that. And the other thing was, uh, along with the fact that they were over 500, I, I didn't looking at all the road games and everything. I was like, man, this is going to be a struggle. Those are big, big minutes. And, you know, the power play wasn't as good, but that's not really his main bailiwick. And the penalty kill fell off a little bit, but not, it wasn't like cratering. It was just a goal a game they kept giving up. But John Klingberg's, you know, without Miro and John able to just open up the shirt and show the S on his chest for a little bit. And he did it again last night. That's, yep. that, that's what he does. Like he, and I think with, the sort of expanded role in a few more minutes with Miro not there, uh, Klingberg looked like a little bit more like what we've accustomed, been accustomed to around here with John. Um, you know, he still makes some very curious plays with the puck and decisions, but that's part of the, the thing with him uh, because he can end games the way he did last night. Yeah. And, and look, at, look at these wins and these comebacks, and his fingerprints are all over you know, just trying to win the game. He loves being the guy. And, and so those are the two main things I think that came from it. And now you hope that you get a fully healthy uh, Miro Haskin and within the next uh, week or two, there you go. Roll into the playoffs with that going on. Well, and I think you saw also with, and these are just fringe defensemen, so to speak, but Hockenpah, you kind of saw where his ceiling was. And I think you know how to manage him a little bit better now. And then Hanley, he just is Hanley. I mean, he just comes out there and does what he needs to do. And if you got to scratch him next game, you scratch him next game, and he'll be fine with that. But but he, the fact that he's been able to do this for, I think it's 11 out of the last 12, uh, because Mero was out, uh, he earned those minutes. And so, again, we talk about opportunities and different players stepping up and showing the coaching staff. And, and now you know they have that option. And if there is an injury down the stretcher in the playoffs, then those players are better equipped to just yeah. jump right in. Exactly. I believe that's what I just said. Did I not? Eh, a little bit. You, you were a little more eloquent, like a writer. I was ex- expounding. Uh, yeah, I just just all good right now. Now you're going to need more good and good luck uh, to continue on. And they've had a little bit of that going on, which you have to have. 
And let's not overlook the fact that they are playing a, a very rebuilding Ducks team yes. that they beat, that they had to rally in the third period in order to beat three to two. Uh, now, they should have been up by a larger margin than that. It was just John Gibson's goaltending, but uh, it's not like they're, you know, f- facing Calgary and Colorado. And, you know, even when they played Carolina from the other, uh, d- other conference, I mean, they should have been smoked in that game. Correct. On Tobacco Road. See how I did that there? Very smooth. Could have rolled it in a Connecticut wrapper and smoked them, but they they couldn't get a pee past our boy Wedgwood. And you're curious as to how the stars are going to deploy their netminding down the stretch here. I am. So am you're I. A net, you're a netminder. I have no idea, but. They have the back-to-back, so that's the easy one. Well, and Jake played what, back-to-back. I know, but I think the natural easy one is to to play Wedgwood probably in Seattle, I would think. Yeah. And then... It doesn't you know, take a Mensa member to figure out how this thing no. unfolds. But again, how much rest and how much play does Jake need? Because he seems to like play. And it is interesting, as you've discussed, you know, back in the day, the goalies played a lot and it made them better. And so then if you give Jake too much rest, is that a bad thing? Uh, because he is a young guy, and I don't think rest. you're going to tire what him out. What do you rest for? I, I'm kind of with you. He hasn't played that many games the last two or three years. Right. And so at this point, if he continues to win games and doesn't hit a hiccup in performance. I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll say this. When when Tampa Bay decides that Andre Vasilevsky needs a rest, <laughs> then I'll I'll go with you on, yeah, maybe – Ease the the load a little bit. Every I'm telling I'm telling you I I tune in every now and then to a Tampa game. Yeah, and they're playing. I don't know who they're playing. You know, some drag from the bottom of the sea. And I'm like, Vasilevsky's in there again tonight, and he's in there. Yep, just eating minutes. Uh, Connor Hellebuck every night for the Winnipeg Jets, night after night, he's just in there. So and there's a couple Vesna winners. They ain't resting. No. Uh, the you kid can go with it. It's just an awful nice luxury. Again, to have right now the belief that you have two guys you can put in there and you have a chance to win no matter who's in there. It's not a, okay, cross our fingers, toes, and eyes that we get a save here and there and maybe our offense, maybe we can score six tonight and maybe we can win the game. You don't you don't think of it that way. That, that's that's a nice thing to have going on in a slam dance of a playoff race where everybody wins every night. And I was joking about it last night, you know, because every every time we mention the standings, we always have to say, you know, they're uh, two points back. They're one point back with three games in hand and they have four games in hand on so and so. And I'm like, hold it here. It feels like they're playing every second night. How how where do these other teams are are they playing right. ninety games this season or what's going on? Huh? Yeah, and the other thing is, is you are right about the winning. So I'm, I'm I was like, when they beat Minnesota, didn't they get really close to them? And I look up, they're like nine points yeah, I ahead. <laughs> and I look, oh yeah, they I they know. went nine and one in their last ten games. So there's some good teams out there, and yeah. Yeah. you know, it, good for them. It you want. You and I have talked about this. I want the bar to be raised. I want them to sit there and say, we can't lose to Anaheim or San Jose or Seattle. We need to win these games. We should win these games. I want that bar to be that high. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and it maybe we, well, not maybe, we do overanalyze (laughs) how they 
how they win, yes, when they win. Uh, be, just because, and and I I've said this many times. I, I think it in stretches they've they've played well, but there have been a lot of games where you look at it at the end of the night and you don't really feel like they beat the other team. You know what I mean? Right. Like they didn't yeah. beat them. They ended up with more goals than them, which means they win, but it didn't feel like they beat that team. Now, last night felt like they beat Anaheim. They're, yes. they're a better team. Like, my God, the, their top pair that they try to trot out there and, and play against Rope and company and Fowler and Drysdale, you're just like, no, that, no, no. Nope. Well, just just nope. seeing the four players they traded away at the trade deadline. Yes. Like, oh, that's got to hurt. Yeah, and then take Adam Henrique and Steele out of their lineup along right. with it, right? Like, it's it's not a very good team. They they have to get heroic goaltending. It's fun to watch those kids. They've, they've got good yeah. talent uh, coming. Fast. Uh, you know, Zegris and, and Terry and, uh, you know, they got Mason McTavish coming too. He's a terrific uh, young player. The Stars have terrific young players coming yes. out of junior oh, as yeah. well. Uh, so it's... It's going to be a while, I think, before the Ducks are are prime again. Although I like, Beaker, I like their GM. Yeah, I do too. Beaker, I mean, I, I like he'll be patient, again, but he likes to win. <laughs> yes, it's interesting because we talked about Bill Guerin. Same thing. He likes to win, and so when he got in there, he used some of his ideas pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I just I go back to so I used to go to the Traverse City Prospects Tournament every year just because I'm from there. Yeah, and Steve Eiserman's in the stands watching every single prospect game and this is a hall of famer and yes you know you, you know they don't make being a hall of famer doesn't make you a better gm so you got to work at it but the fact that he did that and then the fact that pat verbeek was his sidekick for well, a decade pretty much i trust that pat verbeek has been trained the right way in being a gm and this i think he's gonna have a really great career. i'd rather have a hall of fame gm than a hall of famer that's a gm How's that? There's a <laughs> like, strong razor statement like right that. there. Uh, quickly, uh, before we get out of here, uh, this was supposed to be a short one, Mike. I, I had know, nothing, I and you. look at us now. See, I talked uh, too much. I did mention about U.S.-born goalies last night, and you started, you know, in my mind, I started going through the list in that, and I was like, wow, that, that's, a, that's a lot of young Americans, like good ones. There's some very good young Russians I think Canada slipped in that position. They used to dominate goaltending in the National Hockey League. And then the Finns came along, and there were a lot of Finns. There's still a few of those that are grade A. Saros comes to mind in, in Nashville. But the Americans, you know, I remember watching the World Junior Ch- Tournament year after year, and it was like every year they had the best goalie in the tournament. Yeah. You know, J- Jack Campbell and Spencer Knight and – uh, John Gibson and you know Ottinger was a part of those teams in that, so uh, it's it's a pretty good time, I would think. For and then you start running through the the names, and I did last night, like you know Jack Campbell and and Connor Halibut and Jonathan Quick and Ottinger, Gibson, Nadelkovich, who you alluded to earlier. You knew I was going to talk about this. I did. Cal Peterson, Jeremy Swayman in Boston. Thatcher Demko, who's just been incredible uh, with the Canucks. And then you look at the group before them, led by by guys like Ryan Miller and, and Ben Bishop, Corey Schneider, Howard, Boucher, Esch, Mike Richter way back in the day, the Beezer. 
It's <laughs> it's, a, it's a good list. The more yeah. recent ones, it, I am curious to see how much individual coaching they get. A uh, lot. Be, How's well, that? And and my nephew played baseball, and like he was playing, I don't know, 150 games, 180 games a year as a 12 or 14 year old, and then going to private coaching lessons on his off nights because his family could afford it and they wanted him to be good. And I, I just see the U.S. way of doing things uh, could affect a, an individual position like goaltending, where you yes. can really put money into your child's career. Yeah, and and continue it at the national program. Yeah. with uh, where, They're still in Ann Arbor, I think, right? The national yep. junior program, uh, which has been a boon for – for netminders in particular, but players as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's turning into a factory at the position here, which is good. Now that I'm American, I love this. I'm all about the young American netminders now. (laughs) It wasn't so much back in the day. Uh, finally, what, what do you think the NHL player safety department would have handed out, uh, for discipline after the Will Smith slap? (laughs) To the jaw and Chris Rock. Oh, I can imagine the guys on NHL Network are going, oh, that's not anything. Come on. We can't be giving out suspensions for stuff like that. Maybe 2500 five grand? Eh, maybe. It wouldn't be a suspension, right? No, no. I mean, he didn't Come ball on. up his fist and haul no. off and sucker him. Nobody got hurt. That's the whole that's an thing. an open-handed about- slap. I watch that stuff on TikTok all the time. Man, the they rock thing- those guys. You ever watch that? I do. Those slap? Oh, jeez. <laughs> The whole thing about NHL discipline is injuries. There was no injury in this. Uh, yeah, he continued on with the ceremony, didn't he? <laughs> that's right. He did. Both of them did. That's, that's in fact, the a- one guy got a, a standing ovation. <laughs> yeah. And cried. And then, yeah, he used the whole thing. And if you're Chris Rock, you're like, I didn't even go down. I took it like a man. <laughs> so everyone's a winner. Everyone's here. a winner, babe. And that's all right. The, uh, the, I think. Player safety wouldn't even put out a video. There would be no, no hearing. Uh, it would it would merely be a, a fine of some sort. People are having an issue with fines and that guys aren't getting suspended in the NHL right now. Taylor Hall last night, you watched that one, right, on Leibushkin? I did not. No, I missed it. Well, he gets clocked at center. Speaking of charlatans, yeah. speaking of charlatans, that guy. Uh, and and any. Chased him down and kind of cuffed him. Of course, it was from behind, but he kind of cuffed him in the in the side of the head. It wasn't for, for sucker punches. It wasn't a very good one. Hmm. And the you know <laughs> George Paris, Paris and those guys looked at it and they're like, Nah, yeah, we'll take some money out of your pocket, a little bit, and it'll go to a good cause, and uh, we'll move on from this. They're we having a that, tough time moving on from the Will Smith slap, though. That's been a little the, different. The Pavel Bure rule. <laughs> the Churlup Burry? <laughs> well, I think, what is it? Uh, uh, Brian Burns said, uh, uh, Brian Burke said, uh, come on, it's Burry. That was his answer. <laughs> Who's he going to hurt? Yeah, different time, different times. Uh, speaking of, of uh, Mr. Player Safety, he, along with, I guess you could say he's still involved in the, well, there's probably other guys that are involved in the league. There are only two guys from that 07 Stanley Cup championship team of the Ducks that are still active on the ice in the NHL. Corey Perry, who's now in Tampa after 
final appearances with Montreal and with Dallas. Finally, he just joined the horde. Yeah, it's, the actual one. It's the yeah, yeah. It, it's just the belief that look, if you if you can't beat them, join them. So he's jumped over to the dark side. Uh, who did that? Uh, what's his name? Uh, just went into the Hall of Fame uh, back in the day uh, when he was with Detroit and then Chicago. Oh and yeah, Pittsburgh. The, yeah, yeah. Hosa, the, Marion Hosa. Yeah, Marion Hosa. He just, just kept going. Well, no, ain't working here. I'm going to you guys. <laughs> yeah, he would sign one year deals. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. Who's who's going to win a cup this year? I want to go there. Corey Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff, who are, are the only guys. Getzlaff's 37 in May, and uh, still takes a bunch of faceoffs for them. And Perry still annoys people for Tampa, and they play different roles than they did back then. But that's it, and. I mentioned last night on the broadcast that that you, you you get stunned a little bit as to the turnover in this league now because it was 810 days between games between the Stars and the Ducks. And if you go back 810 days and look at those two rosters, you know, there are 46 players on the two rosters. There were like 13, I think, left on the stars side and eight on their side. Yeah. In in a in a matter of 800 days. Yep. They got completely turned over like that. Half the stars roster and most of their roster different. Yeah. Now that's it's what that's why you got to cheer for the linen. You really do. And then, you know, and then it does make it fun when your players go someplace else and you know, as the playoffs wind down, you can maybe cheer for those guys, but Oh, I never do that. I'm just bitter. I don't want to see any of that stuff. So you never cheer. The for only thing worse, Team Mike. Canada. The only thing worse than not getting what you desire and want is somebody else getting it. I don't know about that. Yes, that's truth. That's gospel. Sounds Let's get like out of here. You're an angry young man. Yes, there. I am. <laughs> Damn. Stars are in a playoff spot. They take on the Ducks again. Then they take on the Tiburones in San Jose. And then they make their first trip to Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington. They'll fly into SeaTac and then uh, take on the Kraken. And then they'll come home triumphantly and continue to try to track down the uh, franchise record for home wins in a season. Wow. Yeah, underreported, Mike. I know. That's why, that's why people come here to the Podman Rush. For the inside stuff, very much inside and insightful. And yes, the Stars are trying to win 29 times at home in a season. Wow, that would be impressive. That was 98-99. They did that at Reunion. And right now, the Stars have 21 victories on home ice with 10 home games to go. And with that, we will go. Until next week. Mike, thanks for all your uh, insight and your uh, your passion and uh, for starting us off in the right direction here. Uh, they'll play some music now and, and we'll be done and, and then we'll come back and talk about whatever went on in the uh, seven days from now till then. Mike, love you. Good night. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things Stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official NHL app today.
know what they say about this podcast, Daryl? It's not that bad. <laughs>